Hey guys, Blaine Hooper here. Uh, I am the planting resident at the bridge. Uh, my wife and I are planting Christ Our Refuge Church in Sharpstown to welcome all people, especially refugees, to God's family through the love of Jesus Christ. We have been in a sermon series on the Gospel of Mark, and we're with Jesus on his way on the path of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And, and we have been identifying with Mark some key themes. That is, Jesus as both king and servant. That Jesus wears the crown, but he also carries the cross. And today we're going to talk about how king, uh, Jesus' kingship um, impacts a storm. Literally a storm. But before we get there, let's, let's pray. God, uh, thank you so much for this day. Thank you. Um, for your great works on the earth. God, as we meditate upon uh, your sovereign work, God, we, we pray that we would have hearts to receive and to bow down to what you have to tell us, God. And I, I pray that this, uh, this story about Jesus in the storm um, would lead us to, uh, to a deeper sense of worship and awe and reverence and fear of you. And we pray that your spirit would make it understandable to us and call us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. So whenever I think about storms, I, I really can't, I can't help but think about Harvey, right? The, the, the storm that, that sat on us for days and days. And, 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 and I think one night we had 54 inches in one day. And, and the devastation from that, that flood of water was immense. And watching it along the way was dramatic too. I mean, seeing on the news and, and hearing stories of so many people uh, crying out for help and, and rescued off off of roofs as the water rose quickly and, and they and a lot of them barely made it out and now, you know you may not have flooded during harvey but you know living in houston you would be foolish to think that hurricanes and and flooding and, and tropical storms can't happen to you right like we're in h-town that's it's it's not an if it's a when. I think also it's it's equally obvious uh, to say that in life we will weather storms, and and not just hurricanes, um, and that's life, right? And and how we deal with it, and maintain any sort of peace and stillness and hope and faith when everything is moving. Like how do, how do we do that as Christians? And specifically, how does how does Jesus' kingship uh, intersect or, or meet us in the storms of life? And I'm really praising God because there are answers here, I believe, in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And, and today we're first going to talk about what happened when Jesus and his disciples encountered a great storm on the Sea of Galilee. And secondly, uh, looking more deeply, I hope that we'll discover three wonderfully comforting things about Jesus' kingship. That, that, that one, he is king of the storm, that he is king over the storm, that he is king in the storm. So, okay, wh while you're turning to Mark chapter 4, verse 35, um, that is the, the uh, second book of the New Testament, if you're having trouble getting there. Jesus is, is doing ministry on this big sea, the Sea of Galilee in Israel, and it's 13 miles long and, and 7 miles wide, a pretty big lake. 
And he's doing miracles. He's healing everyone who asks for help. And he's preaching and teaching about the gospel of this coming kingdom where, where God meets man and makes everything that is broken right again. And he's doing this and, and in attracting this massive crowd. And so to kick off the story, Jesus is literally on a big lake. So let's dive in and read verses, verse 35 through 37. And on that day, when evening had come, he, that's Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. So Jesus and his disciples are on a, a simple fishing boat on a, on, a, on a boat cruise, right? Now imagine that you're on this boat. You've got a, a, a sail You've got a boat about 25 feet long and 7 feet wide. It's 4 feet deep. And is it sturdy? Well, kind of, right? It, it wasn't uh, solid fiberglass or composite or metal. It was made of, of wood. And it was held together with wooden pegs and glue, like a third grade art project, right? And, and suddenly, uh, a storm, a large wind event hits you and, you, and you're with this crowd of guys, at least 13, right? Jesus plus 12. And you're thinking, we're fine, right? Like a quarter of these guys are, are lifelong, professional, experienced sailors and fishermen. But those guys are starting to furiously bail water out of the boat. It's just coming back in in waves and the, the boat is moving up and down and side to side 10 feet at a time. And it's really disorienting. And you, and you look over at Peter. What's, what's he doing, right? This, this fishing pro. And his eyes are wide and he's freaking out. And you realize you're, you're in real trouble of dying here. Maybe, maybe drowning. And at that moment, I think maybe you're sure you're going to die, right? And then you look at Jesus, this powerful prophet, this man of God, this teacher. And what's he doing? Well, verse 38, look at this, says, but he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? What's Jesus doing in the fight of your life? He's sleeping, right? The text says that he's he's in such a, a deep and peaceful sleep. They had to wake him up. I don't know how he slept through that, but he, he was there, right? And the disciples are accusing, right? How could you be sleeping right now? We're going to die. And Jesus' response is equally incredible. Uh, to his sleep. It, it's probably one of the coolest things I think that's ever happened. What does Jesus do when, when he's about to die? Look at verse 39 and 40. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Wow. I mean, what an incredible story. What are we supposed to learn from this, though? Like, what, what does it mean for us now? Does Mark 4, 35 through 41 mean that if we go on an ocean cruise and get in a storm and start puking our guts out, that Jesus is going to show up and just make the sea glass, right? Um, or that Christians can't drown? Or, or, that, or that all storms in our life will be calmed? And you know, as the disciples struggled against the waves, I, I kind of wrestled with the answers this week to these questions about what this means for us. And, and I think God led me 
to kind of uh, three three sources or three things about Jesus as king that brought me great comfort. I, I think, again, those things are, it's clear that this story teaches that, that Jesus is king of the storm, he is king over the storm, and he is king in the storm. First, Jesus is king of the storm. Did y'all notice in the passage who it was who decided to go to the other side of the lake? Who was it? Who, who said that, right? It, it was Jesus. He said, let's go to the other side of the lake, right? And then a follow-up question, like, do you think Jesus knew there was going to be a storm? I would say yes, right? He's a prophet. So Jesus knew there was going to be a storm. Let's, let's go even a step further. Who created this storm? There, you know, there are some clues about that in the Old Testament in Job 37, verse 11 through 13. And try to guess who the he is in, in Job here, right? He loads the thick cloud with water. He disperses the clouds of his lightning. It changes directions, turning around by his guidance, that it may do whatever he commands it on the face of the inhabited earth, whether for correction or for his world or for his loving kindness. He causes it to happen. So he causes it to happen. Who created a killer storm and and led the disciples into it? Who made Hurricane Harvey or Katrina? Or who created the iceberg that that sunk the Titanic? God did. God was and is the agent of creation, right? Jesus is king of the storm. He's king of the storm. He's the author and originator of the storm itself. Now, this is a hard truth, right? But I I believe this, this, this truth of Jesus' sovereignty is ultimately a comforting truth. And we'll get there, so bear with me. So in this, I, I think, y'all, we, we need to acknowledge something. That, that first of all, Jesus is the, he is the author of the storms in your life. If God is sovereign, then he is in control, then nothing happens by accident. And some of us feel like our life maybe is that boat right now. I feel like I've felt like that with a newborn. I mean, we're, we're taking on water. We're bailing the water out. It's just coming in waves. We can't keep up. And our boat is sinking. And the truth of Mark 4 in the Bible is that that Jesus is sending you and I, uh, you and me, into the storm. The storm of joblessness. The storm of cancer. A storm of car accident and, 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 and trauma. The, the, the storm of heartache and breakup. And, and it's not random chance, right? And it's not it's not an act of karma, right? It's, it's the universe or something like that. It is a person, Jesus, bringing the storm into your life for a reason. And you know, this might make you mad or hopeless uh, and definitely afraid. And in the, in the midst of that, your faith might be wavering as we're, as we're wrestling with God's goodness here. And we cry out like the disciples and we say, God, wake up. Don't you care that we're perishing? And so the implication in this question of the disciples is, is like, if, we're, if, if God, you're letting this happen to us, if you can stop this, then obviously you don't, you don't love us, right? God, you don't love us. And this storm is clearly a test of faith for the disciples and for us too. We need to trust that the king of the storm has sent it for a reason and a good one. And, and you know, there's more comfort even in this. Let's keep going with this. Jesus, Because Jesus is not just the king of the storm or the storm's author, Secondly, Jesus is king 
over the storm itself. Jesus came over the storm itself. Did y'all ever have a coach or a, a teacher who just kind of oozed authority, right? Like, you know the time before class would start and, 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 and there's this cacophony, uh, there's this loud just, you know, noise in the classroom with 30 kids talking and yelling and, and throwing paper. I mean, that was my experience. Maybe it wasn't yours, but uh, my wife, Anna, is a teacher and she commands respect in the class, classroom. I, I, I've seen her calm a, just a raging, rowdy class of, of hormonal sixth and seventh graders, right? And, and, and I've seen her do it. It's amazing. She says simply, class, three, two, one, and then silence, crickets. Wow. Anna's got authority. She's and it's the, the queen of the classroom, right? <laughs> and that's Jesus in Mark 4 that we read, right? He's king over the storm itself. How do we know that, right? Jesus wakes up calmly. He rebukes the wind. And he says to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceases. And, and, and the Greek says there was, there was a great calm, right? And those two words, peace, uh, kind of be still, or those two concepts, are these two Greek words, siopao um, and, and, and pefimoso, and, and they both actually mean the same thing. They both mean, are different ways of saying, be silent, hush, quiet down, and the raging sea is flat. It becomes like, like glass. It's, it's a miracle. And the disciples say, wow, who is this dude, right? Who is this guy that the wind and the sea obey him? You see, Jesus is not just a prophet who knew that there was a big storm coming, right? He is king over the storm itself. And, and that is really, really great news for our wavering faith because nobody has power to save like Jesus Christ. You know, we've had a lot of technological advancements uh, in, in, in shipbuilding and, and nautical radar and all these other things since the first century. But we can't stop a hurricane from going where it wants to go and wrecking what it wants to wreck, right? It's called, insurance actually calls this an act of God, right? And sometimes uh, we get so problem fixated, so storm focused, and, and, and disappointed and angry in that, and fearing in that, um, and, and fearing and, and angry maybe at God for bringing the storm in our lives that kind of we miss the point. That is, if Jesus is the king of the storm, with that kind of power, uh, and is the king over the storm, that only Jesus can save. Jesus, according to the Bible, has sovereignty over all things as God. And, and this means that he alone is powerful enough to do anything about this cycle of brokenness in our lives personally, and nationally, internationally, right? And, and, and the broken news cycle that we hear about 24 hours a day of murder, riot, corruption, theft, wars, raging, every day across this globe. And so regardless of whether or not we like the storm, and we don't, or, or regardless of, of whether we're mad at God for leaving us in it longer than we like, it's always longer than we like. I, I, I would prefer not to be in the storm right now, right? That's kind of incidental to the fact that Jesus is the only way out and, and that he is trying to teach us to cling to him as the only, only, the one and only life raft, the only one who can save. 
And in this story, we, right, we notice that Jesus is also uh, using the storm to make the disciples uh, cling to him, to trust in him, because they can't trust in their arms, right? They, they, they can't trust in the paddles or the sail to get them out of it. They can't trust in the boat. All of those things were useless before the power of the storm, because in the end, only the word of Jesus can save. And a consequence of that, y'all, is, is that that trust in Jesus as king is our only option. Man. Well, you know, you might be a little distraught, right? And anxious or afraid. And, and you know, still finding it difficult to trust in Jesus right now. So if you, if you still find yourself asking why, even knowing or trying to acknowledge that Jesus is king of and over the storm, let's think about one kind of more and beautifully comforting thing. One more thing. You know, I had a, a commander who in combat, um, unfortunately, would routinely find excuses to get away from danger to avoid it, right? So when, when things got hot and the bullets are flying, instead of being there with his men, he'd find an excuse to just to be somewhere else. Better get back to the base, right? And so my question to y'all then is where is Jesus? in this story. Where's Jesus? Is he on land yelling, everything's going to be fine. Paddle harder, right? right? Like, just keep bailing. No, that's, that's not Jesus, right? He is in the boat with the disciples. And he's totally at rest. He's at peace. You know, it's beautiful because Jesus' presence in the boat, in the storm, proves that God is not a cosmic sadist. Um, he, he's not some guy who sends the storm and, and kind of laughs as everyone is, is freaking out and in anguish dealing with it. The truth of the gospel, of the incarnation of Jesus, of God become man and living among us, is that Jesus is in the boat. That, that Jesus, in his life, I mean, just read the gospels. He knows poverty and frustration and weariness and disappointment and rejection and sorrow. And ultimately, all of those things at once, when he gives his life for us uh, on the cross, he goes through the storm for us to calm the storm in our lives forever and to make everything in creation bright and new and sunny and whole again. And so the truth is that, that, that Jesus is not just the king of the storm and over the storm. Jesus is with us as the king in the storm. And he gives us his peace and his stillness to whoever asks for help. And a God like that is worth following and fearing forever. Yes, you'll notice actually that's where the story ends. It's interesting, right, that the story it, it includes fear and it ends in fear. Because first the disciples are afraid of the storm. And Jesus says, why are you so afraid of you still no faith? And Jesus is saying fear and faith are mutually exclusive. Fear and faith are mutually exclusive, right? And then in the end, the raw power of Jesus as king over the storm, they're, they're actually more afraid of Jesus than they are of the storm. Verse 41, the Greek says that they, they feared a great fear. And, and that's a way of a Hebrew way of saying, like, we, they are overwhelmed by fear and saying, like, who is this guy? And so Mark is laying out for us, kind of two ways of fearing. And there's absolutely no middle ground whatsoever, right? There's just two ways. The Bible says, in fact, that the fear 
of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And and so in Mark, either either we can fear King Jesus or we can fear the storms of life. Either either we fear King Jesus or we fear the storms of life. Because you're going to fear something, right? Because we're limited. We're going to come to the end of ourselves. And we can't fear both at the same time. So if you're a follower of Jesus living in fear right now, of whatever insecurity or storm um, or death or peril, right? If Jesus is king, why would you fear? How could we fear in light of who he is? He's the king who speaks stillness and peace to the waves. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're learning who Jesus is right now, why fear the storm when you can fear Jesus? At least Jesus loves you, right? At least Jesus wants to be with you. Acts 4.12 says this, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among, by, given among men by which we must be saved. Uh, fear Jesus, and, and you won't have to fear anything else. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we are such frail and faithless creatures. Um, we ask that your Spirit, um, who has given us not a spirit of fear, right, but of gentleness and peace and love and self-control, God, uh, would you search us and know our hearts, weigh us and know our thoughts to see if there's any grievous or wicked way in us. Lead us in the way of fearing God, the way everlasting. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.